0: Amazing verse, powerful verse. John chapter 3, verse 16, the word of God says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Boy, what a powerful verse this is to us. The verse has changed many lives and hearts over the years, I want you to know the hero of the verse is God. It starts with God. God. And by the way, everything starts with God. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Uh, Everything about our lives, we should try to live in such a way that we start our day with God, we end our day with God, our days about God all the way in between God. And then the first thing that, that this verse tells us about God is that God loves. For God so loved the world. Who did he love? He loved the world. He loved the inhabitants of the world. He loved you and me. Wait a minute. What was the proof of God's love? What was the demonstration of God's love? Well, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave. Giving is one of the tests of genuine love. For God so loved the world that he gave. What did he give? Did he give his leftovers? Did he, did he give something that he wouldn't really miss? No, he gave his only begotten son. He gave his best. His genuine love sacrificed what he held most dear. There's a lot of beautiful lessons we can learn from this verse. I want to use this verse today to focus on this concept of love. Not just any love, genuine love. Uh, We might call it true love. True love is a concept that's been described in best-selling books, popular movies, Daily conversations and even personal dreams, everyone hopes to find true love. But, dear friend, I fear that most people don't even know what true love looks like. Mm -hmm. Most people wouldn't recognize true love if it walked past them on the street. Mm -hmm. Can you recognize true love? Can you discern between true, genuine love and other things that call themselves love but are not? See, if everybody wants love and everybody's looking for love, then you ought to know what it looks like and where to find it. As one great philosopher said, there's people looking for love in all the wrong places. I think Confucius said that. Satan uses counterfeit love to destroy lives. He uses things that are called love but are not to control people. To destroy people. This makes him a very powerful foe because if everybody's looking for love and most people don't know what it looks like, then imagine how many people get tripped up along the way. Have you ever thought you loved someone but found out it wasn't? Have you ever thought someone loved you but found out it wasn't? For every beaten wife that says with a black eye and swollen lip, but he loves me. For every child that's been thrown up against a wall or knocked across the room and says, but they love me. For every person that is scarred and bruised with hurtful and evil words. No, I love them. And the list goes on and on and on. If anybody in the world understands true love, it should be God's people. Because God is the origin of all true love. God teaches us what love is. He tells us to love one another. Matter of fact, Jesus said in the book of John, by this genuine love, shall all men know that you're my disciples. Love, true love, genuine love, godly love is the badge that we wear through life that says, I'm following Jesus. But I fear a lot of Christians don't even know what love is. And so this morning, we're in February, the month of love. Uh, I want to take just a few moments, or or about, about 30 minutes or so, and I want to give you this concept, the test of true love. The test of true love. You can take anything that calls itself love and you can compare it to this to see if it matches and said, yep, that's love, that loves that love. There's, five, there's actually five proofs of genuine love found in the scriptures. Uh, but we're going to give love the test today. Let me make just a few introductory concepts or comments and we'll dive in. Despite its vital importance, love is one of the most misunderstood concepts in the world. If you ask the average teenager to define love, they're probably not going to get it right. If you ask the average young adult to define love, they're probably not going to get it right. If you ask the average adult, sometimes if you ask... A senior citizen that's never known what true love is, they'd probably give you the wrong answer. If your definition for love includes the word feeling, then you've got it wrong. Some of your heads just went, <laughs> you know a mind-blown emoji, say, what? True love is not a feeling. Now That doesn't mean that feelings are unimportant. Because certainly there are feelings, there are affection. I can tell you I have feelings for my wife. I can tell you I have feelings for my children. I have feelings for the Lord. But watch this. If your definition of love is based solely on feelings, what happens when you feel differently? See, when people say, well, we just fell out of love, what they're saying is, well, the feeling's gone. When someone says, I just don't love them anymore, what they're saying is, well, the feelings are gone. And if you know anything about human nature, you've got to know that feelings change. They change very quickly. And so there has to be some stronger foundation for love than a feeling. If your definition for love begins with a bedroom scene, that's not the definition of love. There are so many people today that confuse lust and love. Talked to a young man many years ago. He said, he said, he was messing around with his, his girlfriend. They were, were going to get themselves in trouble. He said, but I love her. I said, do this. Don't touch her for two weeks. He said, what? I said, don't hold hands. Don't kiss. Don't snuggle. Don't, don't touch her for two weeks. He said, man, why would I do that? I said, well, if, it, if it's love, then what's the big deal? He said, oh, yeah, I'll do it then. He came back two weeks later and said, I don't even like this woman. They ended up breaking up. What they found is what they had common is the physical. But they didn't even know how to have a conversation about anything else. And oftentimes, physical love can be mistaken for genuine love. I tell you, it's a poor substitute. Let me give you a few things that love is not. Love is not selfishness. Love's not selfish. Love is not sex. Love is not lust. Lust, or excuse me, love is not simply a feeling. Love is not the same as like. And what a lot of people say, when a lot of people say, I love you, what they're saying is, I like you. You know, back when you were kids on the playground, and say, man, I, I love the monkey bars. Well, if you love them, why don't you marry them? You remember that? I love my dog. If you love your dog, why don't you marry him? Like, what? There's a lot of wisdom out of the mouth of babes and sucklings. What you meant to say is you like the monkey bars. When I like them. I don't want to marry them. I just, how did that even work? I just, want to, I just want to play on the monkey bars. Say, I love steak. No, you like to eat steak. I I love my job. Well, you you like your job. You have affection for your job. You're grateful for your job. Loving it? Love is one of those words that's so big and used so often, it gets diluted down. We use it for so many other synonyms that it kind of loses its meaning. When I say I love my wife, that's different than me saying I love my grill. Now, I like my grill. Let me tell you, I can make a mean ribeye, bro. Let me tell you, my mouth just started watering right now thinking about it. And as soon as that weather turns, matter of fact, it might be this week. I could probably break the grill out this week. It's 30 degrees one day and 60 the next. And uh, get that nice ribeye, get it nice room temperature, put all those seasonings on it, let that grill get hot, put that baby on there. Listen to that. Once those fumes come up. But when I say I love my grill, I don't mean it in the same way as I say I love my kids. So we have to be a little bit technical when it comes to this idea of genuine love if we're going to be able to find and recognize genuine love. If love is not these things, then what is love? Let me give you four kinds of love. And this is why people get so confused, because love is not just one thing. There are different kinds of love there are different uh, applications of affection and such, but there's only one genuine love when God says, God so loved the world. That's the love we're looking at. When God says, husbands, love your wives. That's the kind of love we want. When God says, wives, love your husbands. That's the kind of of love that we're looking for, but it's it's not the same as these other types of love. So let me give you a Four kinds of love, just briefly. The first love is eros love. And and these are four Greek words that identify four concepts of love. The first is eros. Eros is sexual love. It's a physical love. The, The specific word's not found in the Bible, but the concept is found throughout. And by the way, there is a physical love that God intends to be enjoyed Within the bounds of marriage. The Bible calls it in the book of Hebrews, the marriage bed. There are are certain benefits that come with the commitment of marriage. And God says, wait a minute, if you're not committed in marriage, then you don't get to enjoy the benefits of physical love. The Bible says any type of physical love outside of the bounds of marriage is a sin. If you're married and you're breaking a marriage covenant, it's called adultery. If you're single and you're not married, promised to someone, but you're still violating your body, it's called fornication. But God says this whole idea of eros, physical love, is meant within the bounds of marriage. And by the way, it's a beautiful, godly, sacred sex, we call it, is not a dirty thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful gift if it's used properly. But Satan, as he always does, he perverts it. He pulls it out of its context and makes it dirty and vile and perverted. And in our world today, our world is so sexualized that now we're sexualizing children. I said just recently that uh, a young person connected with our church in in an extension ministry, just recently someone heard them say an eight-year-old girl explaining that she was a bisexual. Can I tell you that an eight-year-old girl shouldn't be anything sexual? Eight year olds don't think about sex unless they're taught to, unless it's put in front of them, unless it's forced upon them through some type of abuse or different concepts. And our world is so sexualized that it's it's being forced on people younger and younger and younger. And even in your world today, uh, all of the 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 promotions and the advertisements and the songs and the the movies and the scenes and the dirty talking, it's everywhere everywhere. And God says, this is a beautiful type of love that has its place. But it will destroy you if you use it out of its place. It'll destroy you. So there's eros love. Then there's storge love. You don't need to know all these things. But but it is helpful if you kind of have a context to realize there are grades and levels of, of love. Storge is family love. It's the natural affection and connection that family members have one for another. Isn't it a beautiful thing to be a part of a family? To be able to say, that's my mom, that's my dad, that's my son, that's my daughter, that's my brother, that's my sister, that's my aunt, that's my uncle. There's a natural affection if it hasn't been tainted with sin. Now, sin breaks fellowship. So if you've got a lot of sin in your family or sin in... Uh, Throughout things, listen, the the unsaved parts of my family, there's a lot of sin that breaks connections. People hold grudges and they're angry, and that that family uh, connection can be broken. But let me tell you, there is a natural affection for family. And it's a genuine love, but it's a family love. That's storge love. The third type of love the Bible talks about is phileo love. Phileo love is uh, an emotional love. It's the most common type of love out of all the loves. It's the most, oftentimes when people say I love something or I love you, what they're really talking about is phileo love. And phileo love is a, a feeling based upon enjoyment and experience. When I was growing up, I loved to play basketball. Young kid from Indiana. Loved to play basketball. I loved basketball, but it wasn't a godly type of love. It was this kind of phileo love. It was this affection based on enjoyment and experience. I talked to someone this week. They love to go skiing. It's an affection based on enjoyment and experience. There's nothing wrong with phileo love. It's a beautiful type of love. The problem is, That phileo love is unstable because it's based upon changeable characteristics. Phileo says, I love you because fill in the blank. I love you because you're beautiful. What happens if they're no longer beautiful? I love you because you're nice to me. What happens if they're no longer nice to you? I love you because you help me. What happens if they don't help you? I love you because you make me feel good about myself. What happens if they don't make you feel good about yourself? See, the type of God's love is, he says, you are sinners. Your sin offends me. You can't go to heaven this way. But I still love you. you. And so clearly this isn't a phileo love that God has for us. God's love for us is not based on our lovableness. It's based on something much deeper. And a a lot of humans, when they say, I love you, it's based upon some enjoyment or experience that they get out of the relationship. And that's why there's so much broken love. And and I love this and now I don't. I love you and now I don't. I love this and now I don't. Because it's all based on, on changeable circumstances And if the reason for the affection changes, then the phileo love's gone. Now, once again, I want to reiterate, there's nothing wrong with phileo love. It's a perfectly natural love. It's a wonderful, beautiful love. But here's the thing. It's not a love that you can base lifelong relationships on. There has to be something deeper. And this is where we get the fourth kind of love, and this is where we get God's love. And it's a beautiful Greek word, agape love. A-G-A-P-E, emphasis, is kind of the transliteration into uh, English. Agape love, there was actually... No love, no word descriptive enough for this type of love, so they had to make a new word for it. Agape love. It means one thing. Agape love is a love of commitment. It's a committed love. Agape love is based upon the commitment of the lover, not the actions of the loved. So the source of love doesn't come from the thing loved or the person loved. The source of love comes from the heart of the person who chooses to love. Agape love is a choice, not a feeling. Feelings change. Circumstances change. But agape love says, I'm going to choose to love you through the changing circumstances. I'm choosing, and this is the beautiful thing about God. God said, I choose to eternally love you. That's why 1 Corinthians 13, the the whole point of that chapter is love. The underlying Greek word is agape. 1 Corinthians 13 is a chapter that describes God's love for us. And the, the English word translated there is the word charity. Now we use the word charity for something that we're giving to someone else. But the word charity is actually a beautiful translation for the word love because this type of love, it's a, it's a selfless love. It's a sacrificial love. So watch this. When you give charity, you give something away with no thought of return. When we would drop off things to the Johnny Kick Center, we wouldn't expect anything back. When we drop off things to to somebody else that's a, a, a form of charity, we're not looking for a check or anything back. So watch this. God's love, translated charity, is I'm going to love you at personal cost to myself, expecting nothing in return. Now we got the mind-blown emoji again. <laughs> well, what's the purpose of love if I'm not being loved back? And of course, the best result of love is that the person you love loves you back. But do you understand that God loved the world and gave His only begotten Son for them knowing that most of them would never love Him? knowing that most of them would reject him. But he said, I'm going to love you anyway. I'm going to sacrifice for you. And I'm choosing to love you despite of who you are and what you do. That's powerful, isn't it? Agape love is the love God has for us. Wait a minute. It's also the love that God wants us to have for one another. When God tells us to love one another, the word he's talking about is agape love. I want you to take the love that I've given you and I want you to love other people with the same love that I love you. Agape love is the only love secure enough to build lifelong relationships upon. Agape love is what keeps you married for a long time. Agape love is what gives you friends of a lifetime. Agape love is what helps you stay at a church for a long time. Agape love is what keeps you serving God for a long time. Marriages, families, friends, and your relationship with God require agape love to stand the test of time. Here's a beautiful thing whenever, take marriage for example. A man and woman get to know each other, and they realize we've got some stuff in common. You're kind of easy on the eyes, she says. And he says, wow, you're beautiful. He says, you know, I like talking to you. We've got some stuff in common. I like being around you. You make me feel good when I'm around you. Notice the phileo love forming. Nothing wrong with phileo love you probably ought to spend the most amount of your time around people that you enjoy being around. Wouldn't that be a blessing? But if all that couple ever does is form those phileo attachments, then that's not enough to stand the test of time. If you notice a marriage vow, it's very particular. Before I marry somebody, we have some premarital counseling, and one of the things I go over is, is, is the sacred vows. When you get married, these are more than just ancient words that you say to each other. These are vows that you're saying. You're basically saying, I am choosing from this moment forward to commit myself to love you. To take care of you. To protect you. To provide for you. And I am choosing at this moment to exclude myself from everybody else on the planet. I choose you forever. That means sometime between you say, hi, my name's Paul. Hi, my name's Sarah. <laughs> you know, and you, you have the, those first dates and you get to know each other. Sometime between that and you drive away from the the wedding reception, there has to be a moment where you exercise agape love saying, wow, I not only love this woman, I not only am attracted to this woman, I'm choosing to love this woman with a Christ-like love for the rest of my life. That's why the vows say, in sickness and in health, these circumstances don't change the love. In poverty and wealth, circumstances don't change the love. Keeping myself only unto you so long as we both shall live. I'm excluding myself from everybody else. Sorry, ladies, I'm off the market. And people weep all over the world. <laughs> no, the, the world says, poor girl. You know, let's, let's pray for her. That must be God's type of love if she loves him. Watch this, but a marriage built on agape love, they now have all four kinds of love. So they have a foundation of agape love that says, I will love you no matter what with God's help. Then they have an affection love that says, most of the time I enjoy you. And the times when I don't, I still love you. But then now they're family, so they get the family love. And wait a minute, now they're married so they get the physical love. And this is why marriage, a godly marriage that chooses to put Christ first, is the most unique relationship on the planet, and it has the strength of all four types of love. But it kind of falls when a marriage falls apart, it falls apart from the top down. Physical love's removed. If there's a problem in the bedroom, it's usually because there's a problem in the heart. It's it's, it's a byproduct, not the real problem. And then the family love's like, man, maybe I made a mistake. Maybe I made a mistake marrying you. I don't don't even want to be here anymore. And then it's, I don't even like you anymore. I don't even like talking to you anymore. I don't even like the way you. And now there's no agape love to fall back on. Families fall apart. I have no time to get to the five points of the message I had prepared for you. And I'm not going to go ahead and preach a whole other sermon right now. But I think it's sufficient. I think we've accomplished what the Lord wanted us to accomplish this morning simply by saying that the four types of love and agape love is the foundation that we need to live by, that we need to build every relationship upon you're not just my friend, I'm choosing to love you like Christ loves you. That's why people can turn on you, and actually hurt you, sometimes try to destroy you, and it breaks your heart. But you don't have them on a list, you don't wish ill for them, you wouldn't hurt them if you could. You might weep, you might cry, you might be heartbroken but you pray that they just turn back to the Lord and get their heart right. Amen. Family. Friends, relationships, of course, marriage. Watch this. Let's talk, just let me end by saying, those of you that you say, well, preacher, I'm not married, or maybe my spouse is in heaven, or, or I'm, I'm single, or this or that. Agape love is so powerful that it's the kind of love that Christ says, I want you to have towards everybody. When you can walk down the street and look at someone you don't know and you say, I would help you if I could. If you were in trouble and I, I could help you in some way, I would. That's how Christ walked down the street. game changer. Start at home, start in a family, friends, and then let's ask God to give us the mind and heart of Christ that says, Lord, help us to be banners of this godly type of love to the world around us. Let's pray. Father, people that are introduced to this concept of love for the, the first few times, sometimes it's, it's shocking, it's different, it doesn't, it's so different from what they've known in the past, and yet it's the very essence of who you are. The Bible says you are love. I thank you for this selfless, sacrificial commitment you made to us. You proved your love for us as you died on the cross demonstrating to the world that your words of love were not just empty platitudes, but you were backing them up with sacrificial action. And Lord, it's a high calling. I pray we'd recognize your love for us, so then we could be filled with your love, and we could love other people. Help us start with family, friends, church family co-workers.